0: You're listening to Migado Radio. Migado Radio is a radio ministry of Migado Media. For more, visit our website at Megadoradio.com. That's megidoradio.com. Welcome, everybody. This is Paul Flynn with Megiddo Radio for Wednesday the 16th, 2022. Thank you all for tuning in. Now, today's program, it's going to be podcast only. Uh, Change of plans, really. Thursday, it was became unavailable. So I do plan on hopefully having the live program back next week, but I can't guarantee anything. Um, Again, my first priority is going to be the ministry or training for the ministry and um, the weeks when I can't do a live program on the Thursday, 6 30 PM is a slot. Uh, It will just be podcast only depending on uh, the workload and things like that. Appreciate your prayers on that. Uh, At the moment, uh, two guys I studied with in the college, they are currently under call. Um, one uh, friend of mine who I uh, studied with, uh, Paul Wallace, he's got a very difficult decision of three calls to decide between uh, and uh, that they were presented Monday and tomorrow. Uh, another friend of mine, uh, John Coulter, he will be getting his, he, he's got a one call from one congregation in uh, Northern Ireland to consider. So um, if you would keep those people, those two men in your prayers, because... Uh, yeah, a lot of changes going on, and Lord willing, uh, I'll be—I'm uh, going to be available for a call from the first of May. So the time's getting closer. <laughs> you know what I mean? The time is getting closer. So I would, you know, really appreciate your prayers, and I really appreciate your prayers for the men that you know that we we, we would the three of us, and um, we would go wherever the Lord wants us to go, and that the Lord would. It, Help us to love his people, to serve his people wherever he would place us and um that kind of ties in with our, our our topic today. just going to get into it because um not sure if I have a full hour to be able to do this program in, but it's to do with shepherding, it's to do with um teachers of the truth versus teachers of error and um It's so important that you do pray pray for ministers, pray, pray that the Lord will raise up men from within churches, genuinely saved, who love the Lord Jesus Christ, qualified men, not just not just because people want to do it. Of course, you know, anybody who desires the the work of a bishop, as it says, or overseer, desires a good work. Desires a noble work. As we know from First Timothy chapter 3. But it's not just because people want it. People need to be... Qualified and called by God, you know you could even tick all the boxes, but unless God has placed a call on your life um, that God wants you to do this, you 're not going to be able to go through the trials and the the challenges that go with the ministry, and you or you're not going to be doing it for the right reasons. So pray that the Lord the Lord would raise up men, call men. You know, it's not the same today as it was in the old testament in, in one sense as you know, there's you know, the way the, the prophets of old, Amos and Elijah and Elisha and others, Ezekiel, Isaiah, on and on and on, Moses. There was a very clear supernatural calling. Now, of course there's an obvious element of supernatural. Yes, the Lord is calling you. But there's there's the ordinary means today. You know, it's going to be something where you feel burdened for it and that burden will grow over time. It's not just something, it's not just I'm interested in this or whatever the case may be. And it will grow and it will be something you really can't get away from. And also, it is something that the church, your elders, and if you're if you're Presbyterian, you've got the wider body of elders to examine whether you do meet the requirements. Now, this this process is not infallible, of course. So you must be in much prayer about this, that the Lord would guide you in all these things. But we're thinking, I'm thinking today, and this is based upon a lot of conversations I've had up here in northern ireland i'm not originally from northern ireland i'm from cork in the south as you know ireland is not a big island as anybody's ever been here realizes that um cork is about four or five hours drive away from where i live now um if you're listening in the united states you realize that's not too far away and you know it doesn't sound that far for people in other countries, but uh, here it does seem very far. But um, the whole issue of Catholic Protestant—that label has come up quite a bit up here, and it's thought of very, very differently than we than I would have thought of it. Well, I suppose it became, began to think of it when I when I got saved. Um, the idea of well, you're just Catholic because you're born into a certain family or you're Protestant, regardless of whether you darken the door of a church or not, based upon purely where you grew up, your family background and all that. It, it all seems to be thought of largely, not everywhere, of course, but in a lot of places, um, something of blood and um and so when i've had you know various conversations with different people over the years people will say that many protestants are just in, are are in mo- as much darkness as roman catholics are and some roman catholics are more interested in the truth than many protestants and and there's a degree of truth that, depending on what you mean, but to the thing is, what you're dealing with there are liberal Protestants, and it's and even going further, you're dealing with false teachers, you're dealing with people who don't even, you know, you're dealing with ministers in the pulpit who don't even believe the Bible, at times see up here, there are churches where there are not in not in my denomination, but in 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 other denominations, there's uh, women elders, and that is clearly contrary to First Timothy chapter two verse twelve. You know, it's 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 very explicitly. You know, I, I completely disagree with the idea of women deacons, but that argument is far easier to make than it is the other argument. And and you notice too when this when there's women elders, what will happen? Pretty soon afterwards, it seems to be, you know, with within a short period, shorter and shorter period of time, as time goes on, there is a move toward accepting of the LGBT community. And it, it, you say, what's the connection is? The connection is the rejection of the word of God as an authority uh, that what determines what we do. And that's the most important thing. It's it's not about we think any less of women or the role of women. We should think highly of every image-bearer of God, and realizing that they all have a different role to play, it's just that here is a role women are not called to. Now, men are not called to every role either. Men are not called to motherhood. Men are not called to all sorts of things. Women and women are equipped differently, and not every man and every woman is equipped the same way but they're all we're all different to serve in the body of Christ in different ways according to the will of God not, not not my opinion or anything else but according to the will of God so but i think we 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 can sometimes when you're in places sometimes we do maybe soften our approach to men who are false teachers enemies of the faith now we also need to be balanced okay there's i think in our internet age there's uh, we can kind of go towards looking for heresy we're looking for to find the worst in people we're we're looking for whatever whatever else um and and there's a need for balance there's there's, okay, there's two things, there's two sides kind of battling each other out. We're going to look at some scripture in a second, and this is kind of by way of introduction, but there's two sides battling it out. There's one side, and th- this side has run into trouble before um, I, during the, the foundation of Fuller Theological Seminary, The beginning of that, uh, what was called by gay the evangelical movement. And there was also others involved in that movement. It it was a reaction to fundamentalism, harsh fundamentalism. And we could certainly sympathize with a lot of what they did. And and not all what they did was bad. A lot of good men in there. But it was... uh, as happened in the 19th century as well, scholarship, what I would call scholarship at all costs. And as long as they are sufficiently qualified, and yes, we should think highly of those trained in certain areas. But realizing that no matter how trained somebody is, no matter how educated somebody is, They have a bias, and if somebody's a liberal, they're going to have a liberal, unbelieving bias, and this is the danger of scholarship at all costs. And we, what we need, what we need in the ministry is people who are trained scholars, if you want to use that term, as much as possible, but humble men, holy men, honest man it's not one or the other and and i think sometimes that can happen you know we can have scholarship at all cost and we i suppose maybe want to downplay the, the zeal of some it depends where you go it depends where you go But we need to not be naive. We need to be careful. We can't just kind of go, I'm not going to be affected by this. And you will. The stuff we read, the stuff we consume, is going to affect us. Now, probably the best... I'm not saying that you should be... make sure... I think we can be hyper... vigilant, um, maybe in what you read. I think read as widely as possible. Read godly people. Read read many of the, you know, if you have, you know, as much as you possibly can. The Puritans of old, the classics and all that, saturated with the word of God. Spend much of your time in the word of God. You can read anything, read the word of God. Um, so there's scholarship at all costs. And then there's maybe a heresy hunting extreme on the other side. Now, a lot of people are some shade in between these two extremes. But the, I think there's look. There's a lot of error out there. There's a lot of problems to be solved. But you just kind of go, and I've, this has happened to me more and more over the years when I've been dis- deciding on programs to cover and things like that. What is the benefit of covering this topic? Will it uh, will it help? And there's been times I have perfectly decided no i'm not going to cover that issue it might be in the news whatever but it's just not going to help i may be wrong <laughs> i've certainly been wrong in the past but so what we need to do is to be gracious as gracious as possible right giving the benefit of the doubt where possible but not sugar coating damage that is done there there are some right there's some very good writers and scholars. I don't name names. People get all kind of... People get all about certain characters. But there are certain people who have written books over the last couple of decades. Very good books. Great stuff. You learn from them. But some of the things that they've done has been detrimental to the church. I suppose you can see that about any of us, really. But... I guess what we need to be is not naive learning from the mistakes of the past. Some men start off great and then emerge as being dangerous, dangerous teachers, false teachers and all that. And it's more of a warning to the, you know, the internet. You, You don't know on the internet what you're listening to half the time. I remember years ago when I was first converted, I would listen to everything. I went through all sorts of cr- crazy, wacky stuff. Anything I got a podcast of, all the way across to some good stuff. And over time, I gradually discerned what was, you know, what was good and what was not. Um, it's important that you're involved in a church that preaches the gospel and loves the Word of God. None of, no church you're going to attend is going to be perfect. But do not stay in a church where it is someone who is, don't care what title you want to put on, a Protestant or whatever else, who doesn't preach the Gospel, who doesn't call all to repent and believe the Gospel, trusting in Jesus Christ alone. If he is ecumenical with false religion, if he is bringing people hand-in-hand hand with Roman Catholicism, things like that, that is dangerous. So this program is really going to be thinking about our attitude to, quote-unquote, liberal ministers, liberal Protestants. People, you see, because you use this term and then it becomes, we got to speak well of them but the Bible doesn't speak well of them. But I urge you as well, while doing this, this is only for those flagrantly clearly false teachers, not people you suspect as possibly being false teachers. Because there's a difference. We can be wrong and all this kind of stuff. Some of the verses we're going to look at... Um, is, but we'll start off by way of introduction, John chapter 10, which, and John's gospel is a wonderful gospel. It begins in the very heart, in the bo- very bosom of the Father. Jesus is the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the very bosom of the Father, you, c- you cannot get any closer to the heart of God. The, how can you get any closer than the relationship between God the Father and God the Son. And, of course, let's not forget God the Holy Spirit. You can't get any closer to that, and John's Gospel starts off there. It introduces you to there, and it says how the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, verse 14, and then um, talks about who he is, and how he's greater than Moses. And then we we see... A gospel that very much focuses on the tender love of Christ, light-challenging darkness, and a true shepherd tenderly shepherding the sheep. And in the background, dangerous ones, the dangerous false shepherds who want to catch out the truth and are not interested in the truth, and dedicate their lives, they 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 serve, but not for the glory of God. They serve to, to feed their belly. They're, they're hirelings, the Bible calls them. Hirelings, they're basically doing it for money. They're in that job because it pays. How many does that describe? Now, there may be people, we should give them, give everybody the benefit of doubt where possible. And, and we shouldn't be speculating our minds. We should, we should not think evil of people without sufficient evidence. Because that's not loving, that's not First Corinthians chapter 13. But how many are in pulpits today who are serving for money? Maybe they did start off good. Maybe they were truly called. Maybe they, you know, they are born again, but they have drifted from the first love and they're just going through the motions. And they end up being someone and all they're interested in, sadly, is the the money aspect of it. Now, I think today this is not as much of an issue as it used to be. Because a lot of, you know, this is not... There was a time in history where you would make more money, I think. It depends on the denomination you were part of. But it was... You make far more money than the farmer or wherever else. But... Not as much... A temptation today, you know if, you're, if people are going into the ministry, I think, for the wrong reasons, because you know the the church is probably struggling for money in various parts of the world, and that's that's sad because that can be because people are not giving within congregations, and that can be also a problem, but anyway, um it says in John. Chapter 10, we We're going to just read from verse 7 onwards and just comment on it briefly. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. He who enters, whoever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. So, he he's describing, again, there's a contrast between, he is the true shepherd. And he is, for any teacher, he is the one we are to be like. And yes, he spoke forthrightly, forcefully at times. But he also spoke tenderly and lovingly at times, most of the time. That was who he was, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Can you think of anything meeker or more tender than a lamb? I think it it depends on where you go. Some n- never want to say a negative word in the, in the pulpit. and never want to call, you could say sin-sin, whatever. But then you maybe get the people who do want to do that a bit more thunder, you could say, and there is a lack of that tenderness. Now, I even think back to my early days of preaching, and there's times when I cringe, looking back at it, um, at times. And it's something I've had to work on to be able to communicate the love of Christ better. So this is something we can all work on. But he is the one, for all, ministers of the gospel, Jesus Christ is the one we are to look toward. We may have our heroes in the faith, and they're wonderful, like godly examples, the Spurgeons, the Calvins, the Zwinglies, the Luther's, and on and on. But they are not, and we should learn from them, yes, but they are not infallible. They had foibles, they had mistakes. Your minister, whoever's preaching to you week in, week out, he will have mistakes. He will have rough edges. But here is the, the shepherd for anybody, for, for any elder, ruling elder, or teaching elder, or whatever. This is the great example. I am the good shepherd, verse 11 of verse, uh, chapter 10. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep, but a hireling, and a hireling, just to remind you, is a hired man. He's been paid for hire. He's doing this for a job. But a hire, a hireling who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming, and leaves the sheep, and flees. I'll just pause there for a second. There's a degree of cowardice. The righteous are as bold as a lion. But there's a cowardice with those who are not seeking to serve the sheep. And a wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. So that's that's a danger. And they don't care. And they were surrounded by hirelings. They were surrounded by people doing it for all the wrong reasons. And it's wrong. It says in verse 13, the hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, Jesus said, and I know my sheep and I'm known by my own. That is the ultimate standard. And in this gospel account, which so focuses on that stark contrast between Jesus as the true shepherd, Jesus as that tender, true teacher to guide his people, couldn't get any closer to the Father than he is God. True God, true man. In contrast with the false shepherds. Now, what's the next? The next verse I want to look at here. Again, this is all to do with how do we view Churches, c- clear false teachers, do we see them as part of the church? Or we should not. These are enemies of the faith. So, uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, and we're going to look at a few things of this Um. Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. It says here, this is Jesus. Jesus, again, he, you cannot get a more loving, tender example of a shepherd. He is the one who would lead and leads his people to green pastures, to, to, to good food. And he says this in Matthew seven fifteen. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. They're going to look. They come in sheep's clothing. We're Christians just like you, and, and they're going to act meek, but they're inwardly, they're ravenous wolves. Beware. Look out for such people. You will know them by their fruits, by their actions. Do their fruits deny the truth. Again, we should be careful and say this over and over again, probably in our our internet age. We give the benefit of the doubt, but these are people, they're friendly. At first glance, they may look like sheep, but the more you look, they devour. There's a massive difference in, in action. And behavior between a sheep and a wolf massive difference and it will be apparent over time which the person is and you Again, we also have to realize our limitations and how much we know and things like that um M- matthew ten sixteen matthew ten sixteen so this is going to be a bit of a a short Bible study in this program matthew ten verse sixteen behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Being naive is not the same as humility. We shouldn't be naive. We should be wise as serpents and harmless as doves or you could say innocent as doves we don't act like serpents but we we we, we study we think we we're, we're careful we're not just trusting anyone in anything that's not you know like, given the benefit of the doubt does not mean trusting blindly They're not the same thing. And how you see that over time is as you grow in wisdom and you grow in your knowledge of the scriptures, what the scriptures say, we ultimately are to trust God. We are to love people, lead them to the Savior. But there will be people who will seek to do the church harm and will seek to lead God's sheep away from the shepherd away from the safety of the flock to be isolated devil loves when you're isolated by yourself I know that many people have been hurt over the last two years And are hurting right now. And are annoyed with what uh, maybe, maybe, maybe what's happened in the church. Perhaps you're annoyed that they're still, I don't know, doing Zoom meetings or whatever else. But don't isolate yourself from the church. You pray for your leaders. You're not always going to agree with them. And then get yourself involved in as much as you possibly can, without having to compromise. If we only want to attend a church, that agrees with us on everything, we've got a problem. There are times when we may go to a church, and we may not even agree with them in a certain area, but they might be right, and we might be wrong. and We've got to be open to that. I mean, an actual church that preaches the gospel, perhaps they have a a, a better idea of various ways of, I don't know, um, loving and showing care for the neighbor and things. I don't know. You can learn things from people. from the, And we need each other. We've been created in the image of God. And part of that image is... Enjoying fellowship one with another because you have the the triune God. They enjoy fellowship before the foundation of the world. What does it say in Genesis? It's not good that man be alone. And what did God do? He created woman from the rib of Adam. So it is not good for man to be alone. It's not good for you to be alone. Don't let this anger or spirit of unforgiveness or anything else keep you away from church, keep you away from attending. I don't care what mistakes people have made. You're there among imperfect people to serve a perfect God, to worship a perfect God. If you only go to the place where you think the pastor is perfect, well, then you've got a very idolatrous view of the ministry. Go there, support. And I'm sure people will learn and have learned mistakes that have been made over the last two years. Be patient with people. Okay, so very similar verse as well in Luke chapter 10, verse 3. Go your way, behold, I send you as lambs among wolves. So, where we're going to go to next is Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. Verse 29. Now, this is Paul... Speaking here, in Acts 20, I'm going to read from verse 27 onwards. For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things. Or another way of saying that, perverse things, misleading things, to draw away the disciples... After themselves. Therefore, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. If Paul took this seriously, we also need to take this seriously. And yes, we don't want to fall into the other ditch of almost being at war with the church. There's a danger that that can happen. With time. That we can learn of the errors of the church. We can learn. And there's plenty of them. There's plenty of We all have. You learn of the, the errors of the church. You learn where the church has drifted from many of the doctrinal standards of the 19th century. Or not the 19th century. Probably, uh, 17th century. And you become frustrated. Annoyed. And then perhaps you only fellowship with a group that agrees with you on everything. Uh, all, and if they slip on any of these issues, well. Now. So we can't go into that ditchy. I, I think we've got to be careful about that. That we don't go there. We love all those. We're part of the church. All the flock. Even though we, we don't agree with the direction they're going, perhaps we need to pull away from somebody for a period of time. I'm not saying that this is never the right thing to do. If somebody's going in a sinful direction, contrary to the truth. You don't want to go along and encourage them in the wrong direction. You want to encourage them in the, the right direction. And, and And these things take prayer, and there's no... There's no... Well, there are ru- i suppose you, you you need wisdom you need to apply wisdom in various different points now, after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, they come in to devour the false teachers are dangerous those who will cause division in the church, causing division m- misleading. Spreading lies. All sorts of stuff. And will basically take away disciples after themselves. They may be the most orthodox. They may have read all the books. Of all the great men of the past. But if they are leading people after themselves. Then they fall into this category. The danger, I think, sometimes, it is wonderful to read the men of the past, but that alone does not make you a godly shepherd. It That alone does not make you the most wonderful example to the church. You may have read fantastic books and somebody else has not read the greatest books. It doesn't make one person more holy than another or anything like that. Now, I don't want to diminish that. You, you should. I think it's great. I think I love the ministry of Banner of Truth. I think try and get hold of whatever you can, but read so with humility. Not as a a battering ram for everybody else in the church who hasn't quite... uh, Try and encourage them. Try to maybe get an abridged version of some book that you have absolutely loved or whatever. Be patient with people because you just... Honestly, if you go to people kind of in an obnoxious way, you can put people off people call it, the cage stage. (laughs) Now, having said all that, we cannot forget under the banner of graciousness that the wolves are dangerous and that there are many wolves leading people after themselves and away from the truth and away from the glorious gospel away from the Bride of Christ. And, and they damage the flock. They don't spare the flock. They're not there for the flock. They're there for themselves. What is, a, is a wolf interested in the welfare of the sheep? No, he wants to fill his belly. And who has hurt? The sheep. I mean, think of the, and the, obviously this is a spiritual picture, but the horror. Could you imagine you coming back if you're a, a, a shepherd, caring for a sheep, loving the sheep, knowing all the sheep by name, all their, all their different uh, needs and whatever, uh, knowing them more intimately as time goes on, uh, and. Through the influence, if we ignore these warnings, uh, through the influence of false teaching, coming uh, back—it's a horror show. You know, you see the wolf devouring the sheep. I think because we've heard this so many times, haven't we? We forget the horror of the (laughs) picture—a wolf devouring the sheep. And it's a horrifying picture if you care for the sheep. This is not like watching one of those National, National Geographic things where you're kind of going, okay, the lion has caught the gazelle. Isn't that cool? This is heartbreaking. So we need to be not naive, not let it weigh with every, every person we hear in the, on the internet and all that kind of stuff. We need to be. If we do change our doctrine, we need to be kind of like you know those those barges on on the sea which turn extremely slowly. Because friends, if you if you're changed by one podcast or or one blog or whatever, you're going to be changed again and again. Change your mind completely on that. Uh, no, it, these things take time. If it's if they're important doctrines and things like that i'll even pick something that's not quite as important of a doctrine if one minute you're you know a mill next minute you're pre-mill the next minute you're post-mill no you haven't really you know if you're constantly hopping around the place in various different doctrines take your time you might say i'm pan mill and you don't know that's fine but let's not be naive but every because that's that's a if you're believing everything it's a massive sign of spiritual immaturity. I'm not saying you can't listen to stuff online. Go and listen to stuff online, but listen with discernment. Listen with hmm. You might say mm, I don't know what's wrong with this, but can't put my finger on it. But I'm gonna have to study that out, or I might talk to a brother, sister, in Christ and the Lord, or whatever. It is or I might ask my minister or or I just don't believe it out of hand. I say, oh that such and such a person said that. Or you're reading through a commentary. And it just sounds contrary to what you, what you see in scripture. Don't just say, Well, the guy has a PhD, he's gotta know what he's talking about. Read with the sermon. It also doesn't mean it shouldn't mean that you think, oh, guy disagrees with me he's clearly a wolf. <laughs> okay, like don't go there either please. Hopefully nobody takes this message away from this podcast. Okay. So um the next place we're going to look at second Peter. Second Peter and I'll even give you another another example. There are people, and I don't like this doctrine at all, I believe that there's different authors for Peter. And I dislike that doctrine a lot. You know, like, as in, look, I believe Peter wrote first and second Peter. There are people, some academic types, who will, will say, well, I think they try to find some, justification, and 1st and 2nd Peter have different types of Greek and all this kind of stuff. I don't agree with that. I think it's potentially dangerous and probably going in the wrong direction, but it would be wrong for me to say, just because they say that, oh, well, they're a false teacher, then. No, they're just wrong in that area. I wouldn't rush towards getting their commentaries. I kind of you know, I kind of, I don't, I kind of think there's other commentaries out there that could be more beneficial and will we'll agree. With, well, I'm saying you not agree with me, but not have to spend so much time ink-wasted on looking into things like that. Peter wrote, verse of 2 Peter, I don't think it's, um, needs to be looked into too much. Uh, I mean, 2 Peter starts off with Simon Peter, a bond servant, and apostle of Jesus Christ. I know I've heard the arguments, but I digress. I hope I hope that makes sense. Um It would make me pause. It would not make me gonna go, ah, oh, false teacher. I think hopefully people see the difference. Uh Second Peter chapter two, which talks about false prophets. Um Oh yeah, first one. But there are also false prophets among the people. You just stop there and just say, hey, this is an issue. And we need to grow in the... Look, if nothing else, this is not for you to kind of start identifying every false teacher or the false teacher among us. This is not the case. What you do need to know is the truth better. What you do need to know Is how to teach your children better so that they can know the scriptures and be discerning in the scriptures. A great way to be grounded in the scriptures is going through something like the Shorter Catechism, the Westminster Shorter Catechism. It's not the only thing, but it's a great help and a great tool and a great thing for young people to memorize at a young age. even as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. So, they're not going to do this openly. Now again, this is not an... We have to realize that Jesus knew that Judas was a betrayer, The rest of them were clueless to this. He secretly, Judas, denied Christ. Okay, And what are we to do? We're to go on the knowledge that we have. We can't get inside people's heads. And sadly, verse 2, it says, And many will follow their destructive ways. This is going to happen. But we need to, how do we deal with that? We know the truth better. It, it should drive you into the Word of God more. And I'm not saying you can't read some, some. you know, like if you want to read about the dangers of the new perspective on Paul, you know, books like, you know, Robert Shikara wrote a book there a couple of years ago. Read things like that. Yes, but the, the most important thing I hope you take away is we need to know our Bibles better so that we're equipped to know the truth better and our children are equipped to know the truth better. It's not just the young people who are naive at times. It's not just the young people who are going to believe things. Sometimes we're naive. Sometimes we're too trusting of the wrong people. And we will make mistakes in this. But, and many will follow the destructive ways because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. By covetousness they will exploit, exploit you with deceptive words. The words will lead you away the words will lead you away. There's teachers who use the same words as the Orthodox. This is what happened with um, some of those who deny the virgin birth and things like that at various points over the last 200 years. At the beginning, they said, you know, they use the same words, but they redefine what they mean by that. One of the things with the Federal Vision Movement is some of them will say, oh yeah, we're saved by faith alone. But they say, but faith alone is really faithfulness. Not just faith apart from works. No, no, it's... becomes... something far more sinister. So they even redefine what faith is. So, by covetousness, they will exploit you with deceptive words. Some of the new perspective on Paul people... Use words in de- various different ways, and I think it's fair to say that many of them are false teachers. Far too many people are reading anti-right. Far too many people are reading other people teaching a false gospel. Rather than saying, well, you know, no, we, we've the, the graciousness ends when they're professing a false gospel. Because their message is anathema. Their message is dangerous. And verse 3, again, exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time their judgment has not been idle and their destruction does not slumber. But we need to be grounded in the truth. Knowing the truth. Look. Beforehand. At the end of our chapter 1. In Second Peter. Knowing this first. That no prophecy of scriptures. Of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man. But, but holy men of God spoke. As they were moved by the Holy Holy Spirit. That's what we need to know. To face these things. We can't. And I think there's a lot of extremes around. There's. We're all like this, by the way. We can either fall into the heresy hunting because that's our personality or whatever, or we can fall into just being naive and trusting things and not looking into things. Whereas we need to do, we need to look into things. And I mean, what I mean by looking into things is know the scripture better. Being discerning while also being gracious. Not easy, yeah? Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 5.31 The prophets prophesy falsely and the priests rule by their own power and my people love to have it so but what will you do in the end? There's a danger when we are slowly slipping off the cliff but you don't want to speak ill of people but isn't that what's going wrong in, the, in western countries be that Australia be that New Zealand be that United States of America, be it Canada, be it Northern Ireland, where I live, the rest of the UK. The prophets prophesy falsely and the priests rule by their own power. Their own power, uh, not God's. And my people love to have it so. That's a condemnation. That's not a, that's not something, oh, you're doing good. Jeremiah 6.13, this is, again, this is leading up to the judgment by the Babylonians through Nebuchadnezzar. But, but from the least of them, even to the greatest of them, everyone is given to covetousness. <laughs> Could be written about today. Given to covetousness, and from, from the prophet, even to the priest, everyone deals falsely. Truth is not valued. We want things to change, begin in our own lives, in our own hearts. Do you value truth? Even when the truth corrects you? Well, that's a question for yourself. Uh, Jeremiah 8:10 Therefore I give their wives to others and their fields to those who inherit them because from the least even to the greatest everyone is given to covetousness from the prophet even to the priest everyone deals falsely Jeremiah 8:10 When we're doing things for the wrong reasons when we're doing things for Financial comforts and things like that, and then Lamentations, that that book that uh, of mourning that really speaks of the destruction of Jerusalem, uh, heartbreaking. When when Lamentations two fourteen, your prophets have seen for you false and deceptive visions, and they have not uncovered your iniquity. False and deceptive visions, you know that that can definitely fall into like things in the charismatic movement. But that can fall, it's also people falsely interpreting the word of God as well. And they've not uncovered your iniquity, they've not shown the sin of the, the people to repent, though. To bring back your captives, but have envisioned for you false prophecies and delusions, false messages, false teaching. Ezekiel twenty-two twenty-eight, her prophets plastered them with untempered mortars, seeing false visions and divine lies for them, saying, Thus says the Lord. when the Lord had not spoken. And look, that is charismatic movement. What's the charismatic movement which has infected the church over much of the last hundred years? Now there are fine people within the charismatic movement. I also want to say that, but the movement itself has not been good for the church at all. Now, if the best church you can find in your area is a charismatic church, you go there. But if you have to travel an extra 15 minutes for something where. You have to be careful because some of these. It does go into false prophet territory when you see things from the charismatic movement if in doubt give the benefit of the doubt but it's not a healthy environment in 1st John 4 one, beloved do not believe every spirit I'll leave you with this thought do not believe every spirit but test the spirits whether they are of God because many false prophets have gone out into the world so test the thing test it by the word of God and in order to test it by the word of God you've got to know the word of God so hopefully this has encouraged you not to start trolling the internet for the latest look if you follow a certain person and a certain thing helps you great but know the scriptures so that you will be more discerning more mature in the faith this has been Paul Flynn thank you so much for listening talk to you again next week